Oh, hey there. You know what really revs my engine? The smell of hot sauna benches after wrestling practice. The sound of a hand slapping a bowl of jello repeatedly. And hot, sweaty abs that stack like Lego bricks. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about long curled toenails that dangle on the ground in front. The feel of sand as it wedges its way through each orifice. And big, bold, glacial cut abdominals that reach out and beg for a tongue bath. I wouldn't bullshit you. And you shouldn't be bullshitted on. That's why I purchased the No BS six-pack formula from Mind Pump. Those guys give to you. Ooh, the No BS six-pack formula. Available now for at MapsFitnessProducts.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go: Mind Pump. Mind Pump with your hosts Sal De Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode, <laughs> you do the Bill Cosby. In voice this time. episode, does that sound like Bill Cosby every time? Yeah, a little bit. I guess it's the Jello pudding. In today's bird. episode, the boys and I talk about <laughs> <laughs> for the first fifty-two it. minutes. We get into Sal, uh, our usual introductory conversation. Thanks, mm, Adam. Yeah. Usual. And we, I'm giving you an assist. Anything but today. usual. We started out by talking about Bruce Lee, the martial artist and the philosopher. <laughs> There's a lot more to him than just his movies. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, me uh, too. I nerded out on him. Then we talked about the changing mind pump style. Apparently, my clothes are starting to look a lot better. Thanks to Viore. Thank God. They are the clothing company that we are sponsored by. It's like, uh, it's God, I don't know how to explain their clothing. It's like Lululemon, but for men and better. Uh, it's pretty awesome. If you go to- <laughs> Way better. Viore Clothing, V-U-O-R-I, clothing.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get a fat 25% off your order. Then we talk about Justin's milk test. <laughs> he was uh, he was testing out uh, milk yeah. um, and realized that it gave Fail! the poops. Yeah. Uh, four Sigmatic charcoal lemonade to the rescue actually prevented him from shitting all of his brains out. Uh, we are sponsored by Four Sigmatic. Yes, thank you, Four Sigmatic. If you go to Four Sigmatic, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump at checkout. You'll get a discount. Then we talk about a new study that links penis length to fertility. Yeah. That's right. Smaller wang, less chance of having a child. Crazy. That's weird. Then we talk about Banksy, Banksy's self-destructing art. Oh, that crazy guy. He's so yeah, artsy. He is. Uh, Campbell Soup's fresh food fail. They actually uh, went into the fresh food market and have lost a shit ton of money. Because when you think Campbell's, you think fresh. Then we it was a convenient <laughs> place to mention Thrive Market, the largest online retailer of non-GMO and organic products, including skin products and cleaning products. If you go to thrivemarket.com forward slash mind pump, you get one month free membership and 25% off your first order. They have so much good stuff, Sal. Th then we talk about bodybuilding.com. And Amazon, is Amazon destroying them? I think so. Hmm. Then we talk about a series on Netflix called Hold the Dark and another series on Prime called The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Both recommendations from Justin and Adam. 
And then you know what, Justin? What? What's that? We get into the questions. Oh yeah. First the best que- part. First question was, what should a 17-year-old do? Should they get into a bulk, or get into a cut, or should they do both simultaneously? Is that possible? I think so. Next question was, what would be the most appropriate rep ranges or workout phases for cutting and for bulking? Lots of bulk cut talk this time, huh? Yep, Justin loves that. Yeah. Next question was, what would we say is the most important muscle or muscle group for peak athletic performance? So Mm. if you want to be a masterful athlete, if you want to move like an explosive bomb. It's not the bicep. Which muscles should you focus the most on? And finally, last question. This individual has been working at a big box gym for six years and sees personal trainers who've been training clients for a very long time who don't seem to be making that much progress. Uh, Who's the blame, the trainer or the client? And is anyone to blame? Should we be angry about this? Uh, And we we go into this question actually quite deep when we talk about what your job really is as a personal trainer. If you want to be a successful, long-term personal trainer, you will not want to miss that part of this Great episode. Great discussion right here. Also, this month, MAPS Aesthetic. This is the bodybuilder and physique competitor and bikini competitor-inspired MAPS program. 50% off. We took the total price, of course, cut it in half. That's it. And you get lifetime access. This is crazy. I think this is the only time we've ever had MAPS Aesthetic 50% off. It is, Sal. If you go to mapsblack.com and use the code BLACK50, that's B-L-A-C-K, the number 50, at checkout, the price will be cut in half. You'll pay It's 50. not just for competitors, Sal. I want to look awesome sometimes, too. That's very true. The program is aesthetic-focused. So the way we designed the program is we designed it in a way where you could sculpt and shape your own body. You pick out the body parts you think you need the most development, and you put those body parts in your focus sessions. That is a a proprietary aspect of MAPS aesthetics. You kind of construct it yourself to shape and sculpt your own body. And that's why bodybuilders and bikini competitors and physique competitors love MAPS aesthetic. Again, mapsblack.com. Use the code BLACK50 for 50% off. Also, if you want to check out our other MAPS programs or our bundles, Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Do you guys remember the the chair at the end? I don't remember which Conan it was, but at the end of it, he's sitting in that big king chair, like a Game of Thrones chair. Yeah, and he's got That's like a chair. A, I want that. Dude, he's got like a lion. Please, over him. is That's that the one you're gonna like buy for your seat in here in the studio? Please, I, somebody. Needs to about, oh, we talked about this yeah. a long time ago when we think we moved from the mm. last studios. I really want us to have our own custom mic and our own custom chair. Yeah. Like, you could have that one. I'll have the Game of Thrones one. I'll have the Game of Thrones. That's like going to be uncomfortable as fuck. <laughs> I don't care, dude. Yeah. This is so cool as fuck. I want a float tank. Uh. <laughs> I want a podcast in a float tank. We can't see you then. Hey. Oh, I like to see your, <laughs> I like to see your pretty I'm face floating. when we're talking. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to see my pretty face. That's why I podcast, Adam. Yeah, you have a face yes. for radio. Face for radio. I would prefer, I'd prefer to have a face for radio than a, than a, than a mind for TV or whatever. Such, wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, those idiots. So anyway, uh, dude, I got a quote for you guys that uh, my girl just posted. I think it's- She's been on fire lately. She's, dude. She's, Somebody uh, must have ruffled her feathers or something because she's on one. Yeah. She's on one, dude. Her page is, what is she? What's her page? The Training Hour. You don't you know your girl's page. Yeah. So you could read some of these. <laughs> you almost so, got in trouble there, dude. I, I, know, I know her as Jessica. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh. so her. Th- this is a really good quote. I, didn't, I never read this quote before. I never heard it. Nobody is superior, nobody is inferior, 
but nobody is equal either. People are simply unique, incomparable. You are you, I am I. Fucking brilliant. Wow. I've never heard it, anything, I never heard that stated so eloquently. No, no, I bet you Dr. Seuss has a good quote on that too. Yeah. Red fish, two yeah. fish. Yes. I bet <laughs> you, fish. I bet you, uh, I'm going to Google that right yeah, now while you guys are talking. Dr. Seuss? Yeah. I love Dr. Let's Seuss. Let's pull up dude. some more quotes. It, it, arguably the best philosopher of all time, in he, my opinion. He is. So I, I have another quote. Tell me this doesn't apply to our philosophy around fitness. And then if you guys can guess, Shit, let's see who's going to... I bet Justin's going to pick it up. Mm. But sometimes Adam's a surprise. Sometimes he knows <laughs> He knows what's going on. Who's? Let's see who gets. Who who knows who said this quote. Doug, mm. you can't play because you're going to guess right away. Uh, you ready? It's so old, huh? You ready? And now this right. quote totally encompasses our philosophy around fitness. Pay attention, Adam. I'm listening. Okay. Don't read Dr. Seuss anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got all, you got all into it for a second. I love Dr. Right. Seuss. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Let me hear. Don't get set into one form. Adapt it and build your own and let it grow. Be like water. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless like water. Now you put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Oh my God. Confucius. God, you guys are, cl- you guys don't know who that is? That's <laughs> Bruce Lee. Oh, uh, I would have never like got water. That. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, like yeah. one of his most no, famous right. quotes ever. No, I would have never. Got Bruce that. Lee was. Uh, I wasn't as big of a Bruce Lee fan as you guys were. Oh, and that's just because I think I'm younger. Because you're younger. Yeah. I, it's not like Bruce Lee movies came out like when I was one a kid. year younger. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't a kid. They, you never watched Enter the Dragon? And no, just I did. Got super inspired? No, 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 no. I did. I watched, but I didn't watch. I mean, I think Sal watched a lot of him. So I, I didn't watch. Water! Yeah. So I, I, I. That's how he said water. I, I loved watching Bruce Lee films, but. Here's there's more to Bruce Lee than his movie. So I watched and by the way I I've I've been trying to message his daughter. I would love for her to get on the show so we could talk to her about Oh, that'd be a good. One, yeah. Actually, let's 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 enlist the fans, you know. Yes. I mean, we got fans for a reason, right? Yeah. Do me a favor. Yeah. Go harass. Go, no, don't, don't, no, no, don't not harass. harass, harass. Contact. They're, they're not ask her nicely. Friends. Yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask us ask her nicely. We want to yes, interview her so we, we could talk we, to her about We'd like to get some history. About Bruce Lee cuz he's a badass. Yeah. So when I, when I was a kid, me and my cousin, we used to watch kung fu films all the time. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we would do, so every once in a while, we'd sleep over at my grandparents' house. And my grandfather's thing was, he did two things for us. At night, he would drive us to the video store. Kids, this is back when you used to have to go to a video store to oh, rent yeah. videos. We went to his place called uh, One Hour Photo Drive Up. I don't know if you guys remember that place. Somebody did a post. I saw one of our listeners did a post on a blockbuster meme, and it was like, some of you will never know what Friday nights look like yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a, it was a whole thing. Just it walking was, through like all these titles. No, like, it was hmm. it was fun. Was yeah, that not like a, like a, for me, it was like a date night thing. Like, I yeah. don't know how many dates I'd taken on a Friday night to go, like, and oh, yeah. part of the date was like, Picking a movie, you get your junior mints. You know right away if it's a chick you could date. Yep, you know what I'm saying by the the types of movies she was looking at. Like, I don't know how many times. Ooh, that was your choice. So, so my grandfather would take us to the video store, and we would always want the kung fu films, and we'd pick them all out. I've seen them all. I've seen, I've seen all the drunken master and freaking you know weird shit, and then of course Bruce Lee. So me and him were into Bruce Lee, and then I started reading the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. This is the philosophy of the martial art that Bruce Lee wrote. Now, I bought the book thinking I'm going to learn fucking Jeet Kune Do, Jeet Kune Do and I'm going to learn how to fight. 
It's actually a philosophy book more than anything. From a book. Yeah, he's a he's because I was a kid, bro. He <laughs> was like, through pictures, like yeah. images. Dude, yeah. I was practicing in the backyard. I was more of a video guy. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. So uh, no, he was a philosopher, and his cool. very cool. His philosophies around training and in martial arts and life were so radically different. People don't realize how 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 different he was. Like the stuff he was talking about. Remember, in those days when he came to to San Francisco to teach kung fu it was, oh, it was a very blasphemy it, yeah dude you yeah, weren't supposed to teach white you weren't that. supposed to teach white people mm-hmm. or anybody but you know uh you know chinese people weren't supposed to learn well not only that he incorporated other uh methods you know and started to do like the, the real mixed martial arts he was like one of the first he was the first one them. yeah you watch you know you know that that classic how he holds his hands up and he like hits his he does his nose with his thumb like he does that thing and he bounces around right mm-hmm. He learned how to dance from boxers. So he would watch boxers mm-hmm. fight, mm-hmm. and he loved how boxers were so fluid in the way they moved because when he learned kung fu, it was very rigid. Yeah. There were forms and styles. And he used to say, like, I don't Mantis. I, I don't follow a style. Yeah. You know, he goes, I don't, you know, I don't hit, it just hits on its own type of deal. That was his philosophies. Really cool stuff. I, I feel like we're kind of cool. like the, um, the the Bruce Lee of podcasting. That's my point. That's what exactly <laughs> what I'm Bruce Lee of fitness. Yeah, 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 yeah dude. Yeah, we're just just we're as, water. Yeah, <laughs> we're, like, we're like water. We're water. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, no, that's why he was so awesome. So I know a lot of people know his movies, but the dude was uh, he was a brilliant philosopher. You know? So I wanted to tell you, he did yeah. bodybuilding. You know, he was super into bodybuilding. You guys oh, know yeah. that, right? I, said, oh, I didn't know all this stuff about him. I feel like, can you please give me like a list of either books or uh, movie rentals that I can get uh, enlist in and actually watch, so I can get caught up on the Bruce Lee oh, knowledge? Dude, here? I'll watch Bruce Lee with movies. I've done the. Those. I've watched Enter the Dragon and and his other like he's got two or three like the big ones, right? Yeah, that yeah, I think everybody's yeah. seen. I've seen those too. Yeah. But I need the I need the deeper shit. He was give to- me the philosophy. He was totally into bodybuilding too. He got trained yeah. and bought these bodybuilding because he believed and developing his muscles in his body and do you know his movies inspired bodybuilders for years flex wheeler got into bodybuilding because of bruce lee oh i didn't know that yeah because bruce lee in his movies he would do this lat spread remember he and you hear his bones crack like and you do this thing Uh and bruce and and flex remember flex was a martial artist yeah Yeah. so he watched that that's right he was one of the ones that after he would get in a lift he would actually like irradiate and do this like full body tension poses and stuff which was like you know brilliant bro you're so into tension yeah Uh, that was bruce he was like the guy yeah for me i always reference him as as one of the masters so he wasn't the strongest dude in the world but he had this ridiculous static straight strength no but he was because he was like using all of his central nervous system yeah well he was really strong I mean, he was only like a buck forty, right? It was super light. He just knew how to channel all his force in one direction. He he would be able to hold, I believe. I hope I'm saying this right. This is from people who wrote about him. A hundred and twenty pound dumbbell at arm's length. Yeah, and he would hold just tension. Yeah, that's crazy. Just straight tension. Yeah. He also had a two hundred pound heavy bag that he could kick and swing that thing so that it hit the hit the hit the ceiling. Yeah. So he'd kick it with so much force. That it would swing and hit the ceiling, and people would just like trip out over it. What? Yeah, isn't that cool? These aren't these aren't urban myths, though. Are no, they? that that's real. <laughs> no, a, the one that I'm. Wondering, I remember one time he remember disappeared. Remember the nunchuck uh, <laughs> ping pong uh, video that went? Yeah, right. That's, that's fake. fake, but it's like it's so depressing because everybody, yeah, totally like puts him up there. No, he was m- mythical beast. He was still human, yeah. and if he fought in the UFC, he'd get his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I <laughs> know that's that's the. Okay. But he was a brilliant, the unpopular, uh, you know, reality. When well, I was a kid, I thought he could beat up. I was like. Bruce Lee could take on oh, other people. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you think <laughs> he's in here? Kill human. anybody. No, but he's not. I also thought John Clavett. I'll tell you what, that. Chuck Norris could kick some ass, though. 
Chuck Norris what so Chuck, Chuck was legit. So Chuck Norris was in the uh, what which one was it? Return of the Dragon. Return of the Dragon. That was the epic Did showdown you, at the end. Yeah, did you ever watch that, Adam? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Those are the that's arena. One of the, that's one of the main three, right? Enter the Dragon, Return of the Dragon. What's the other one? There's three like big. There's the Chinese like, Connection. Nope, not that Game one. Of mm, death, no. Game of Death. Game of Death. There's there's uh, one more that I know I've seen. I don't know the name though. Uh, God, I can't believe I, I can't don't know. Remember. But I remember the Green Hornet, and it was stupid because oh, he was the sidekick who just kicked everybody's ass. Like, why is he the sidekick? Kick. Yeah, he should be the main guy. Yeah. He uh he in the in the one where he fights Chuck Norris, remember when he like he grabs his chest and then pulls his hand off and <laughs> rips off his, his chest hair. Because <laughs> Chuck bad. Norris was hairy yeah. as fuck. He is a hairy beast. So Chuck Norris was there was an interview that I read in Black Belt magazine years ago, probably in I don't know, 1994 or something. And he wrote about sparring with Bruce Lee uh in between the scenes. And he's like, Yeah, he goes, he was he was as fast as everybody said he was. He was a pretty pretty much. Remember, Chuck Norris at the time was like a karate champion. Yeah, he was a badass. International, yeah, yeah international yeah, karate he champion. Shit up. So it was pretty pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. You know, yesterday I not to switch subjects. I was trying to tell you that yesterday I met with Taylor, and we were just kind of going over the podcast heart event and. Man, I think I think Doug got like a thousand plus photos. Taylor got like a thousand, two thousand photos. Eli, uh, Anna, like they all. I mean, we must have five thousand plus uh, photos we went through. And uh, Taylor was uh, complimenting like how handsome you guys looked. He's Ooh. like, man, I was just, I was so how old. handsome we looked or how handsome you looked. Yeah. No, 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 no. Like he, he didn't throw you in there. No, he doesn't. He never compliments me. Wow, though. he doesn't. And look. you're right there. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, that's it's disrespectful. Like, I, I gotta talk to him about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just he's going your props. He's going through all the photos and he's looking at his, at just how well dressed everybody is and it's going like, oh wow. man, look how sharp the boys look and everything. And I'm like, well, you know, it helps when you dress them. I think. Well, <laughs> well, part of his motivation for, yeah. for for signing us with Yori was exactly that. Yes, he used to. He, 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 look at I. I'm like I'm like kryptonite for someone like Taylor. Like, <laughs> I, like I'm super. I can imagine how annoying I must be because I really don't give a shit about the stuff right. that he finds super important. Yeah. Not that I don't find value in it. I find tremendous value. But when it comes to myself, he almost has to lay it out in front of you, like right before you get going. Dude, can I just tell you something right now? And you know, my girl listens to this podcast, so maybe this is a subtle message. I would love it if I just woke up in the morning and my clothes were picked out for wow. me. Like that would be so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that, that was a little but, hint. But he. You know, since he signed, that's one of the reasons why he signed us with Yori is because he used to get us on his nerves when I would show up to work. And buy yeah, it. no, he has changed the look of us just like in, in a subtle way. You know, like, like little like comments here and there, like oh wow, look at you know, and wearing you know the Viore shorts and everything. It really does. He's sort trying of, the positive association. Well, in his in his bring defense, our, our one our of the, one up. of the things that I remember when we were talking about this way before Viore even before he even got connected, like. You know, he was he was in search. Like he's not trying to. One of the things that is important because you know one of our core values is radical honesty and staying authentic. So it's important that you know none of us, no one wants to change. No one's going to change who we are. Sure. So his his biggest challenge was finding a brand that really matches yeah. who we are as individuals, and then at the and same we all t- liked right that everybody liked that yeah. everybody would wear that looks good. So I mean that was a long time. Uh, search for him when he finally found Viore, and it's great to see where that company's going, dude. It's so neat to see them explode. Bro, they're everywhere. They're man. blowing up. Yeah. What yeah. was that thing we read about them recently? There was something, dude. Doug they were GQ, up. New York Times. Yes. They, yeah. They like been, that. Yeah. 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 yeah they're yeah. getting. I'm not competing s- with Lululemon look, like head to head. Now yeah. I'm not a I'm not a detective. I'm not a forensic scientist. But if you if you do the math, you could see clearly what happened when they signed with us, and now they're doing <laughs> the mind pump. Mind pump bump. That's right. We call it the mind pump bump, dude. That's it. 
kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know when we went down there. I mean, they had uh, just an, an epic day when we went down and we spoke at their at their facility. And they will be on the tour list next year for sure. I know we'll go down there. I mean, they've been a great relationship. They just dropped all their fall stuff, so they got a bunch of new stuff that's coming out. I believe we have gear on the way, so I'm pretty excited too. Ooh, I love it. I, I always see like you know on those ads like that pop up now on my Instagram all the time. They just keep coming out with new styles all the time. I'm like, oh man, I don't have that one yet. We yeah. I got some shopping to do. Yeah, I like the the the. This is the jacket I wear every day. Yeah. What is? I don't know. Is it? A, you call it a jacket, right? Yeah. Zip there's up. a there's a name for it. It's a hoodie. Yeah. It's a zip up hoodie that you have. You know what I like about it? The one that Justin was wearing. I want to get the one he had yesterday. Which one? The yeah. one he wore yesterday. Was it yesterday you it's wore? It's kind of gray with the, the black on it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it That's form, my favorite. Is it form fitting a little bit? Well, it's nice and light, so it's like I can wear it when it's kind of uh. in between cold. Because here in California, you know, we're not like freezing. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> so. I like I like the I like the one the the because it's a little bit form fitting and um you know I want to I want to show off the the guns. Oh, I see. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Bro, did you hide them? Yeah. So, was it two days ago? When did we interview Dr. Stephen Cabral? It was like a few days ago. Yeah, it was maybe three, four days ago. Three, three. Yeah, it was like last week, right? Yeah. The day after, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw uh, Justin under the bus. Oh wow. The day after. Oh oh, man. Yeah. Justin. (laughs) Of course, you bring us up. It's a great story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Justin and I pull in at the same time, so we both pull into the parking lot and we're getting in the car, (laughs) and I'm like, "What's up, dude? How you doing, bro?" And he had this look on his face. That looked uh, like concerned. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, it's a, a little wider than normal. Yeah, yeah had a concern. That, if that's possible, I'm like, yeah. hey, what's, oh shit, what's up, man? How, you, how was your weekend? He goes, bro. He goes, he goes, I got to get inside right now. I'm like, what's the matter? And he's like, <laughs> he goes, I fucking drank a whole glass of milk this morning, and it just, I don't know what what I was thinking. It just fucked me up. And he runs inside. Poor dude was lighting it up. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know why you did that after yeah, we had like that episode. The Fourth of July, I, you know, in, it's in what, the bathroom. He said that to me too, and I'm going like, "Bro, you're so the opposite of me. You went and tested something that you probably know you shouldn't do." Yeah. I was like, "Now I after talking to after talking to Doctor Cabral, I was like er, analyzing everything I was doing. I'm like, "Fuck, you know, I, had, I poured my coffee, and uh, you know, I'm notorious for using <laughs> using using the sugar free, you know." I forget the name of the brand or whatever that garbage. Cream, cream, yeah, garbage basically creams. And after listening to him talk, it's like I was like, "Fuck, dude!" Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, dude, barely pouring any in but there. I, you know? But he, a poor kid, goes in there and just destroy. And you're just such a bad kid, Justin. You're like that I, kid that your your parents say I'm, something I'm like I test it, and you do the opposite. You well, know what I mean? Yeah, because I don't know, dude. I like to like my sense of freedom and individual, <laughs> you know, rights. Like I, I want to make sure like this doesn't apply to me. You know, like, I'm just like. I love it. I love I love dairy and I here's the thing. Like I know that <laughs> I know that Dude, sometimes defend yeah, the like, che- defend the cheese, brother. Defend it. Well, the cheese it, itself, like I'm still working through that. I know that it might <laughs> it might affect me on a little basis, but but a pure glass of milk, like I'm like, "Well, maybe if I just drink the like I I had some peanut butter and I'm like, I'm trying to just decide whether or not maybe peanut butter or this or that, but it was milk, definitely the milk. And, and milk goes great with peanut butter. Milk is so good. Did you just have peanut butter by itself like on a spoon? Yeah. Yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I do. You're the guy that eats fucking butter sticks. Yeah, that's true. So I, just, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I just picture you in the morning, like sitting at the counter. Who yeah. has a jar of peanut butter? I was ch- chug this huge glass of milk. Yeah. It wasn't just like a small. Now, did it hit you right away? Like no, what happened? it was like when I was on the drive over. Oh no, like, over the hill. And it just like kept grumbling, and and my stomach was just turning over and over. And I got here, and I was like, "This is not gonna be a good day." Yeah, and I just like it, it. Totally gave me diarrhea, and it was uh, it was bad news. Crushed it, but but 
I saved your. I saved you, buddy. Yeah. I saved you. I gave him the fucking four sigmatic the, the, charcoal. The charcoal. I know. I, that. So that's where I ran into him. So you read. I, I see him, and he's like me. Like we we probably use four sigmatic a third of the amount of times that you use four yeah. sigmatic. You've definitely. I love them. Yeah, use the brand more than anybody. And I I come walking in from the bathroom, and Justin had just got here, and I see him making up a the the what is it the lemonading charcoal? Yeah. yeah, yeah is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, Lem- yeah. It's lemonading. Cha- it's got chaga and activated charcoal. Yeah, and I see him stirring. It up and I don't ever see him make that that often. And so yeah. I'm like, "What's up, bro?" Yeah. He goes, "Man, I had a fucking glass of milk." Last. I'm like, after I, that, I was like, after we just had Doctor Cabral in here, no, I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, what, what it was so you... subconscious. Like I just like poured it, thinking like, "Huh." You know, well, let's see. Yeah. You know, and fuck then, that and guy. Fuck me up. <laughs> yeah, fuck me up. Yeah, I'm that like so mad. That shit doesn't apply to yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but I wanted to keep that part of me. But bro, bro, this is I'm, this is not bullshit. Now, how fucking effective is activated charcoal for that uh, shit? Yeah, it was almost like five minutes later. Done. Like, it, yeah, it was yeah. just like everything was settling down and and back to normal. But so. then, then thirty or forty minutes later, you went and what did you eat after that? You went and ate something else. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? And you're like, oh, I'm just <laughs> I'm just testing it or something. <laughs> what was it that you I don't know I don't know it was probably something with a lot of cheese in it you know like I'm, I'm stubborn you know I'm a stubborn guy like I just I have that part of me yeah, you, know, so, you, you, can't, you can't break through so Jessica uh, has figured something out here's the bad thing with activated charcoal first of all I don't think it's something you should take all the time so I just want to make sure People know that activated charcoal is is good for those situations where you drink milk and you know you shouldn't. You know you're going to eat something <laughs> or drink something that's going to bother you. I don't think it's a daily, regular, like consistent for months on end no, type of no, supplement. No, no. Um, so, but just and here's why I want to say that because first of all, for me, before discovering the the, the magical and mystical powers of activated charcoal, <laughs> I never drank alcohol. It is pretty magical. Never drank alcohol. Now that I know if I drink alcohol and take activated charcoal, I'm not going to yeah. get a hangover. Now we have events and shit. I'm fucking drinking. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah. So Jessica, she gets- uh, You're not so lame anymore. Jessica will break out. That's great. It's like nice. That's so lame. I'm I'm tired of being around a bunch of lame, you know. I can't do this, but not that. I can't do this either. (laughs) Whatever, dude. Fucking fitness people are the worst. They are. Bunch of fucking little babies. So So Jessica, when she eats chocolate, she'll break out almost like 24 hours later. She'll break out in her face. She f- figured out that if she takes activated charcoal with chocolate, she doesn't break out. So what do you think she does more now? Eat more chocolate. So I'm like, babe, we can't like we can't use this. <laughs> Let's not rely on this. Yeah, yeah this isn't like, like a, yeah. a fucking free ticket. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, can yeah, just yeah. do whatever the hell we want type of deal. No, I've definitely had more alcohol this last year than I probably have in the previous 10 years because of that hack that mm-hmm. you introduced me to. Mm-hmm. That's been a... A game changer for me and it's like and every time i've tested it like you know i'm crossing my fingers over here and knocking on wood but every time that we've gone out and we've drank i have yet to have a hangover since we started doing the charcoal thing and i'm like whoa this it's is weird it is it, it is, is very interesting anecdote it's all anecdote right, right, right. i'm not making any no, claims no, no. but i'm certain for me nor do we condone it yeah right, for me yeah. i swear to god no we've had a ton of people since then i get i've gotten a lot of dms and i've seen quite a few but uh, quite a few uh posts on our facebook forum saying that they've gone and done it themselves and can testify to it too. Yeah. So. Are we the only fitness podcast that's sponsored by weed and alcohol? Oh my god, probably we are, aren't we? Oh, well, what do you? Because we're cool. No, we're just we're, no, we're, we're cool. well rounded. No, we're, we're just missing normal c- condoms and guns, dude. We'll get yeah. the uh, well, trifecta. That's, we'll figure that's that out. <laughs> 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 gambling quadfecta. I want I want yeah. I want gambling condoms. 
in guns, then we'll be the All American wow. Fitness Podcast. Oh my god, dude! I, so I want to shoot some guns right now. Study came out uh, two days ago. Okay, here's the title of the study: Size really does matter when it comes to fertility. <laughs> Did you Uh-oh. know this? So, a new study suggests that men who are infertile also have smaller penises. Wow. What? Yes. Wow. Having a shorter appendage, just lost the page here, having a shorter appendage was more common in men who are struggling to conceive- It's that turkey baster effect. Right? Than in those with other genital health problems. <laughs> turkey baster effect. So, they've the now- fuck? You gotta so, get it all up in there. So, here it is. It found that on average- Oh, my God. That on average- Men who were infertile were around one centimeter shorter than their fertile counterparts. One centimeter? Yeah. Come on. That's such a small thing. That is a very small difference. Oh, well, centimeter. centimeter. Like an inch would make a big well, difference. Well, here's the I quote. Think. Here's a quote, right? The, the quote says, one centimeter may not be a striking difference, but there was a clear statistical significance. Interesting. Now, you know, <laughs> how does this make sense? Is it because you're just closer? I would, you know I, mean? I would so, think so. Yeah. If that's the finish line and you've got a one centimeter head so start like on the a, other guys, uh, 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 I would think that you have an advantage. Just well, like if you got you, like power. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a cannon. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> yeah. Justin, I'm saying, what's up? In defense of the little wieners? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm like, trying to help you, the little guys out there, right? <laughs> Boom! Like, yeah, I don't know. Do some jumping jacks ahead of time or something. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I read a long time ago that the because you know the the gender of the of the child is determined by the man, right? The the we're the ones that have that our sperm determine whether or not it's a boy or a girl, and the male sperm apparently swim faster, but die sooner. Mm. Kind of like real life. Yeah, as you say. That's... The the female sperm <laughs> yep. swim slower but live longer. Right. So the strategy for me when mm. I had my kids was, you know, when you when you release the soldiers. You go in as far as you can. Let the mm. let the let because the dudes are gonna are gonna are if, to have a boy. The guys are gonna go as fast as they possibly can, mm. and get there soon. And then boom, you'll have a boy. If you want a girl, you do halfway and you do your thing. And then the boys swim faster. They die. Wow. Then the female sperms get in there. And guess what? I dude? didn't know we were gonna be dropping so much science today. Yeah, I don't think there's any science there. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm just. just uh, you you got to shoot halfway in. Worked for me. So a sl- for a it must have been a, a slow day on uh, an American Journal. <laughs> Sounds like. What's your our PubMed? Yeah, PubMed. Must have been uh, a slow week for PubMed. No, 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 I got like four more studies. <laughs> okay, here, okay, I was gonna I say mean, this is a, I got like four the best study we had this yeah, week. Yeah, I got a whole bunch here to bring up. Did you guys bring any today? No, yeah, no you're the only one that reads PubMed, bro. You're the only one that reads. Or I'm the only guy that reads. No, no, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me your, got a great video. Give me a good PubMed. Give me a good PubMed one, and then I actually had something I was going to share yeah. with you guys that I thought was interesting. All right, I'll go. I'll go with another one here. This one's pretty good. So this is a an article in the New York Times. It's pretty. I think it's pretty apparent to anybody um, with a brain that uh, you know marijuana is probably going to be recreationally legal nationwide with probably within the next 10 years definitely medicinally uh, legal right uh, that I don't think anybody's going to debate that the next thing to to probably go through rescheduling is uh psilocybin mushrooms psychedelic mushrooms I heard about that yeah because okay so researchers at John Hopkins University suggested that psilocybin should be reclassified from a schedule 1 which means which is bullshit it should never be schedule 1 which means yeah. there's zero no medical benefit to Schedule 4, which is like uh, prescription sleeping pills. I firmly believe 
That should be the case. I so re- is this going to make its way into like therapy first? And, That's it. Yeah, and then it'll sort of. Yeah. Uh, so if they if they make it a schedule, so schedule four is like when you go buy, um, <clears throat> you know, like a like a sleeping pill, or you know, you get a prescription for a sleeping pill or whatever. Yeah. Those are all schedule four. So you still need a prescription, mm. but it's not like so illegal that you can't study it. You can't, you know. Yeah. Like schedule one means. You yeah, can't. that's ridiculous. Silly. Yeah. So what 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 I think, and I firmly think, and there's a very strong um, push for this in the medical or scientific community, is to reclassify psilocybin as a Schedule Four drug to be used for therapy. And I believe the first uh, ways that they and MDMA is another one that they're ask pushing you about MDMA because yep. of all the studies they've already shown. Mm-hmm. With it <laughs> wasn't it like it was like ninety nine or or something like a, almost like a hundred percent. Uh, success rate they were having with PTSD. It wasn't a hundred percent, but it was, it was a silly really high. It was some high, it was yeah. like seventy or eighty percent, and in something that has no like terrible success rate. What I think, I think what we're entering into right now is a completely new era of psychotherapy, and I think it's going to be pushed. It's going to be pushed by the reclassification of psilocybin and MDMA, and I think because what they found in these studies is classical psychotherapy or talk therapy, you know, there's a certain level of effectiveness and it is effective in some cases. In some cases, it's not that effective, but over given a long period of time and work, it's, it still has a, a certain efficacious, you know, rate. And this is why it's prescribed and used uh, and why it has been used for so long. Like if you have an issue with paranoias, anxieties, depression, talk therapy, psychotherapy, you know, it's, it's something that you should probably look into but what they're finding is classical psychotherapy, talk therapy, in combination with these drugs for very difficult to treat conditions like PTSD, mm-hmm. or where I think it's going to first go is end of life therapy. I think that's the first place it's going to go. Where yeah. you know, if you're terminal, um, you know, the doctor just told you you're gonna, you got six months to live, or you know, something's going to happen to you, you know, soon. That is a very, very scary place to be. Yeah, if you're terminal, I mean, why wouldn't we allow that person to make all the decisions themselves? I don't think anything should I be just, illegal. It's so crazy you, to yeah, me that stupid. you would determine what's best for them at that point. I think all drugs should be legal, yeah. If especially if you're if you have six months to live and you want to go smoke a bunch of crack. Right. I, yeah, like, Go not? for it. I mean, what's going to stop you? You're, what are you going to do, kill yourself? Yeah. It's already happened, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, But I think that's the first place they're going to make these things legal because- there were these studies that they were doing on these uh, terminal cancer patients and all of them, severe anxiety and fear and depression over their disease. They gave them this therapy with psilocybin and the way they do it from my understanding is they'll, they'll give them a low and it's not a, like, they're not giving them like a crazy mega dose of, of mushrooms. They're giving them like a, I guess a, a clinically effective dose, which is, I don't know how many grams, but it's not this mm-hmm. crazy huge dose. It's, it's a, it's a, it's enough though. Then they'll put uh, sh- uh, shades on them, or uh, what do they call blinders, or um, I don't know what they're called, where you, you cover your eyes so they're in the dark. Mm-hmm. Then they'll put on headphones with really soft music. They make sure that the setting is comfortable. They make sure that they're comfortable with the therapist. And then they lay there with their eyes closed and just think, and then they'll take them off, and then they'll talk, and then they'll go back in, and they'll think, and they'll talk, and they'll go back and forth. And a significant majority of the people who were terminal who did this kind of therapy uh, came out of it and said that they lost all their fears and yeah. anxieties. They come to terms with it, right? Totally. At that point. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot. Well, and imagine for the the people who are connected to them, because I can imagine, I have all the empathy in the world for someone who's terminal. Yeah. I've seen someone go through that firsthand, but it's the people around them 
who I think will benefit a, a lot as well. Because imagine if you have a terminal person and they go through this therapy and now they're like, you know what? I need to say this to this person. I need to say sorry to this person. Mm. I need to mend these bridges with this individual. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to say these things to my kid that I've never said. I need to apologize to my wife for right. the years of whatever. And leaving with just this beautiful, you know, ending, mm-hmm. I think it'll be, I think it'll be super, super powerful. Well, and, dr- and drugs really, they, they take us from being present, right? And I think it's only fair that somebody who's like dying like that and feels miserable present, <laughs> the present moment, why not let them be fucking off in la la land? Like, why not? Like mm-hmm. if I, I, I think when I am, I, if, and when that point comes for myself, I would definitely want the option of, man, I just don't feel like right. thinking about that I'm laying in a bed right now and I feel awful and miserable. If I could be high as fuck all day long today, like, by all means, why not? Yeah, it's a form of ex- escape. Right, right. You got your back, bro. Something like yeah. that happens, we're going to hook you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get you all all the drugs. I, I appreciate yeah. that. You're welcome. Dude, you know, you know, I was going to bring up, I, I just remembered, did you guys see uh, the Banksy's painting that went for auction? It went for like a million something, and then uh, I love all his did stuff, you, did, you dude. So it, it was it was the it was the one famous uh, painting where it's the, the girl with the balloon. Oh, the balloon with one. the balloon, right? So and and it went for auction, and everything went through, and all that, and then it basically like had uh, it, it exploded or shredded, and it had, it had a self destruct mechanism. <laughs> mechanism in it. So brilliant! What? Yeah, you should so, bring that up, Doug. So we yes, can see it, it, everything Whoa, went through. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh my is this god, new? dude! This guy's so brilliant. I, follow, I think it shredded. Yeah, itself. it just happened not too long ago. I follow a bunch of his. You know what people do too? It's crazy. So he'll like, you know, it's Banksy. It shredded moments after being sold. Doug, you don't know who Banksy is? Oh, he's like a graffiti artist. Graffiti artist. That nobody knows what he looks like, right? Nobody knows. Yeah, no, he's who he is or what he looks like. Completely anonymous. You know what's cool too is like he. You see these people will he'll he'll graffiti somewhere and people will take the. Bro, I can't believe this. Justin, when did this come out? Yeah, so, I mean, this is How did I not hear just about recently. This? Yeah, is there an article like... on it, Doug, or is it just video? Yeah. Yeah, I want to I see. So it was self-destruct art, which is classic Banksy, right? To, to fuck with people like that? Yeah. So what, he, what, he, what he's known for, Doug, is he, like, he definitely addresses like controversial political topics and things that are going on uh, in, in current events. Like social issues and stuff. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, yeah. They said that it might even be worth more. Oh yeah. Oh as, look at that. As it's shredded. It sold for one point four million dollars. Yeah. And uh and then I guess it's self destructed. Is it is it after Yeah, I'm gra- trying to see what actually happened because I didn't uh, Wow, after the gavel fell, it oh wow, a paper shredder was hidden inside the frame. Oh. and it t- <laughs> totally destroyed. Look at these, it. these people freaking like, No, <laughs> Well, yeah, dude. Uh, Is this Sotheby's? That's so much money. Was that Sotheby's or whatever? They oh, that the famous auction. Wow, he secretly built the shredder in case the painting went up for auction. Oh, he did it on purpose because he didn't want it to be sold. Well, yeah, exactly. That that, that was the brilliance of it. Yeah, because I mean, he's so renegade, and he's you know, like with with all his paintings in general, he just does it without like nobody even knowing who he is or where he's going to do it. How does he make money? How does he make? Do you you know how he makes money at him? No, he doesn't, dude. That's the thing. Yeah, he doesn't make money off his. It's real art. You know, he just puts it out there. Wow. That's pretty cool. It yeah. is really cool. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah. Crazy. that's crazy. Yeah. What well, were you, you? You had something. Well, yeah, there. talking about destruction or going down or bad. Like, so I, I love, I love watching companies. Um, I guess this sounds bad, but it's just it's interesting to me to see companies try and get out when when things are going bad, right? And so a couple companies that we're I, I'm talking about right now, one of them being Campbell's Soup. 
like seven years ago, they they invested heavily into the fresh food market, and it ended up being like a, a hundred, you know, hundreds of millions of dollar, uh, you know, botched idea. Like, and they're selling off right now and trying to backpedal out of it, which is interesting to me because seven years ago, that it seems like it would be a really smart time sure. to. And I think they they probably tried to pivot and move into that area, but just goes to show, like, once you've painted yourself into a corner sometimes as a company as a canned food business mm, like mm. to try and get into fresh food is just it's not so your, what do you mean by fr- yeah, fresh huge. food was it was it like uh, food that you put in the fridge and then you just warm it up type yeah, of deal? yeah are you pulling it up right now doug yeah mm. fresh food falls uh, falls short i wonder why i, I would like to look at the, uh, the well I, I would my speculation on that is exactly what i just said is that i think sometimes when you've you've built a you know billion dollar company off of you know, one one thing, canned foods, like that's what they're known for. Like mm-hmm. canned soup, canned foods is, you know, stuff that it can preserve forever and, and you could eat it, you know, years later. And then you decide to go in the completely opposite direction in hopes to get a piece of the market that's everybody knows is growing. Right. And has been growing for the last decade. Mm. And then you just you just don't well, have- did they do that under the same brand name? Or did they, they did. buy another company <laughs> that was doing it, which you see like Coca-Cola and all these other kind of companies, they'll like hedge their bets on on like a different like beverage company that's a good question i as far as i know they still did it under campbell i don't think they did it under a different name but i know that it it hurt probably a bad oh so they did a bunch of acquisitions is what they did yeah a bunch of fresh food acquisitions and i don't think it it panned out for them at all i don't know justin though if they kept the same name and or they tried to sell under the original names of of the companies that they. it would be interesting as a consumer that i mean that's the the big barrier there right you do already have a preconceived idea of what that company provides and so it's like well there's yeah there's a little bit of a hesitancy i'm sure well it's interesting to me because you know part of the problem with going from what they were good at to fresh foods is distribution uh, production, it's a totally different operation. Exactly. Yep. Is and that what it. killed them? That is what's killed them, yeah, is, yeah. is part of that. Is exactly, and kind of what we talk about with Thrive Market and them being, what they are, they've mastered is they mastered that side of the, the business first before they got into actually distributing. It's like they had that in line, like, oh, we have all these people in place to, because I think that's what you don't think about. You're like, oh shit, well, what happens when millions of people do start wanting to buy this stuff? Can we produce it at that right. rate? And then when you Can can't- scale quickly? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the cost of, <clears throat> of implementing all this these new channels of ways to distribute fresh foods because they might need refrigeration. They need, it's just different problems where shelf life's different all that. Totally. Totally. Along the lines of companies that are dying, we touched on it a little bit with Craig, but I mean, it it interests me too, because we just recently had bodybuilding.com reach out to us and you know, they're coming after mind pump in a positive way, right? They, they're looking to affiliate or, or partner up somehow with us. And you know, one of the things that the first thing that we all did was look at, you know, how are they doing as, as a business right now? And man, they've been on a nosedive for the last, you know, four years. And after listening to Craig talk about what, what, what they did, it's like, man, that's, you've, you've built your, your brand off of providing all this free content. And then, then you put it behind a paid wall. And I'm sure that's a, a big reason. Well, why they that. had to figure out a way mm-hmm. to, to, to monetize because the bodybuilding.com made a shit ton of they still do but they made a shit ton of money off of selling supplements Supplements, and amazon let's face it like good luck competing with amazon they're going to destroy anybody the shipping the delivery system like you just can't compete with that anymore. well i believe they're done already right so that's the thing that's crazy is i really believe that and this was something that mike matthews and i were talking about when we were up at the podcast heart event so we were we were speculating about the businesses itself in itself and i was telling him that i really think that Amazon is just is letting them bleed slowly right now. 
It's like there's no reason for them to make a power move. Like it's, they're too small of a fish. As big as bodybuilding.com is for Amazon, they're they're small fish. And so it's like, you know, we could sit here and chase them around and try and outsell them in supplements and, and crush them. But why even put any money there? Let them slowly drown until they're in a position where they can just walk over and either one, acquire them or completely So here's them. my question for you guys. Mm. Let's, let's all speculate. Let's all have fun speculating. <laughs> let's say you are part of the team to figure out what to do with this with <clears throat> your supplements. Because although they are getting murdered right now by Amazon but with supplement sales, it still is probably the easily their largest source of revenue i would assume i don't know this for sure but i would assume and if it, and, and and if anything mm-hmm. before it was a massive source of revenue it'd be interesting what it, would you what would what were the thi- what is stra- what strategies would you have to well, try you, to you would double down on the media side right so I, I i maybe the supplements are their most profitable i don't know like because with supplements comes shipping and overhead and Cost to, for the product and storage and all these other things. Well, how else do they monetize? But most well, advertising. We know that's, you, that's you, their main source of revenue. Think about it. If you're yeah. a, if you at one point their website, I know it's not anymore, but at one point they were one of the most highly trafficked websites in the world. I know. And so I, I would imagine to advertise on there, you'd have to pay a pretty a pretty dollar. So. I would imagine that 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 is up there. Now, the thing that I think where they went really wrong and what I think we've done a really good job of with Mind Pump is they didn't curate their their content as as well as I think that we are. We're very careful about who we present on the on the podcast. We're very careful about who we present on the YouTube channel. And I think they went purely they they they, you know, I shouldn't say they pulled a, a page out of Shred. Shred's pulled a page out of them, which is mm-hmm. they just look for anybody who's popular and look good, and yeah. it's just like who's trending or yes. the numbers of their their uh, website, how it's performing, right. and so it's like attractive. Yeah, forget the idea that they they've got a great message or that it aligns with your views or whatever. It's like if they're popular, they're big, they're trending, like you're saying, Justin. Yeah. Which is the same reason why I think they came after us. They knew very little about Mind Pump, ironically. You know, as they're talking to us on the phone, it's like, well. You know, I, but they they've looked at our website. Our website's grown four hundred percent over the last Which year. Is funny because, <laughs> I mean, that was that was the the biggest hurdle for us is to get our website to perform. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, Doug. Do they have what's their shipping? Because here's a problem with competing against Amazon. Amazon has Prime, which killed everybody. They came out with Prime and that just murdered everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Two day shipping. You know, you pay one flat rate for the whole year. The other thing that Amazon kills everybody in is is it's so fat. You have an app and you just click to buy. You don't have to yeah. enter anything. Yeah, one click. You click to buy. I'm sure they have that as well. What's the so I, it'd be interesting to see what their shipping is, how long it takes. Well, there's no, it can't compete with Amazon. That's the problem. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they are whatever they're offering. It cannot compete with Prime. That's yeah. what makes. Amazon Prime so fucking the badass. Speed, is it's that, almost like you want to yeah. fire sale all your supplements on Amazon, right? Like you would put it all on there as like like whatever. Well, this is the, the the place everybody's going to buy it. What they're hanging on to right now, when you look at it, is you know, in Doug, Doug just Jug, Doug, what? Jug. Doug, Doug, yeah. Jug, Doug, Doug had Doug, a Doug. Just, Doug. Doug just had uh, Chris, Chris was it? Chris Gretlin, Getlin, Getlin. I always forget. Fuck up his last name. Um, you know, caged caged supplements. Mm-hmm. So where where they're hanging on is that they've partnered up with people like our friend Craig, who who's no longer partnered with them, but with with individual brands like that and guys that have made their own supplement line, and so they promote them and their supplement through there. So they're still hanging on the fact that okay, these people are coming through here because they're connected to these people still, and hopefully they'll buy through us versus buying on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Jim. Yeah, I think you're right because the way I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to picture myself being in that position. Like, how do you compete? Well, the thing about Amazon, the, the thing that is the detriment about you Amazon. You can't compete. It's over. Well, hold on. So here, here I'm, maybe you're right, yeah. but I'm just trying to figure out the weakness. If I'm looking at Amazon as a fitness consumer, Amazon's sterile, right? It's mm-hmm. buy your product. You just buy a product, comes to your house quick, free shipping. That's it. But it's also very sterile. You don't get- What do you mean by that? There's no fitness value. There's no fitness information value. There's no, like, if I have questions, if I have if right. I want to reform, yeah, okay, customer I get, support. I get yeah. your direction you're going. You're right. Yeah. That, and that's what I mean by, like, you have. That's, that, that's what bodybuilding.com is. Right. Like, so yeah. if I wanted to read an article from, um, you know, what's that kid's name? I like I like a lot of the stuff he puts out. They call him Quadzilla, and he's uh, is a all, well, supposedly claims to be an all-natural guy. He's got incredible legs. Why can't I think of this kid's name? Oh, no. Anyways, one of our forum members will, will for sure say something. But he was on the just there on the page a minute ago that Doug had up, and you know, so he's got, I think, close to a half a million followers on Instagram, and he's got his own line and everything like that. So I could see people coming there to read his content, watch his videos, watch some of the mm-hmm. programs that he has out there, and then, oh, by the way, clicking on a supplement that he promotes or whatever. Uh-huh. So I see some value there, but let's be honest, even after you buy it one time, if that same product is offered on Amazon for faster, cheaper. Right. You're 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 still going to continue over there. You might have got introduced to it on this, and then if you're a company like one of these these young guys that have their own supplement line, you it would behoove you to be on Amazon. You don't want to not be on Amazon, so you're on Amazon and you're on Bodybuilding.com, and then they're competing with each other. Like, like most people, they look at that supplement and they're like, I wonder if it's on Amazon, and then you just go right to Amazon. Yeah, and that's yeah. and so I think I think Amazon is like they know that, and I think yeah. they're smart and they're just letting them bleed out. They're like, sure, we, we we've got no problem with Bodybuilding.com hustling to put out all this content. To get a to get attract because we're going to get people from them because anyway. we're going to get the people on the back end right so you're going to uh, you're going to initially attract them because of a person like a Craig Caperso like mm-hmm. oh I love Craig oh let me click and see his oh look it's bodybuilding.com there's an article on him there's a video on him cool oh look here's the supplement I want to buy now you buy it now after you buy that one supplement you go oh I wonder if I can find this on Amazon so, for cheaper and faster so oh look I can this oh, I is can. why this is <laughs> why convenient. this is why when you're in the market in the position that you have as a middle is is as a middleman right so your how you make money is you take something from someone and, provi- and take it and then deliver it to someone who wants it. You're a middleman, and, and all markets have middlemen, and they play a very important role in markets. However, you, if, and, and here's some of the benefits of that. You can make a lot of money and not have to produce anything. You just have to be the one that delivers it. Hmm. The problem is you're always at major risk for competition and for technology. Technology eliminates that person first. Technology is destroying all middlemen. So yep. this reminds me of... Like if we went back in time, we were just talking about Blockbuster earlier. If Blockbuster saw the writing on the wall and said, "Oh fuck, uh, our days are numbered. We got let's get in heavy in digital streaming." Today they'd probably be doing pretty fucking good. They'd be right. doing okay. Right. Uh, the problem is they held on for too long and they sank, and then it was too late. Netflix, Amazon, everybody else killed them. So if you're Bodybuilding.com, who is a middleman, because they sell their own supplements, but really they sell everybody else's supplements. Right. They, they may be looking at this and saying, okay, if I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, guys, look, our days are numbered. We'll, we'll keep doubling down on the content. Let's phase out this middleman thing that we're doing because Amazon's doing it way better. And let's either A, invest in our own supplements and create our own line and make them really good and then sell them on Amazon ourselves. Yeah. That may be the, the, the way to go. It's just a shitty position to be in because it's like you're holding on to all these chips 
mm-hmm. and the only way to win is to give most of them away right, right. And, and and shift and all you want to do is hold on to them right you know what i'm saying and yeah you know and this whole market the technology is fucking just destroying oh it's all middlemen it's really fascinating like look at record stores yeah. when's the last time you went to a fucking record store that sells you know yeah, music makes, makes no sense they, no, they don't exist for anymore. nostalgia no no that's it everything's yeah. about streaming and street light records speaking of streaming I, I was reading an article on uh hulu so now i'm like i'm, I'm like watching hulu netflix and amazon as far as that's like, right because you canceled everything else yeah and so now i have all these that i'm streaming and i'm paying attention cool. to like top shows and everything it's kind of crazy to see how they do this now like you know hulu and uh amazon both they uh, they just haven't figured it out as well as netflix but what i mean figured it out is the the team of people that are creating the series and stuff mm. like that are just not quite as talented as netflix netflix is still the leader mm-hmm. in this field and what you see a lot of is this you know they'll throw a series out and you know it'll be a decent series but if it's not it's not a home run there's a big gap there's a major gap between uh tv series that are good and people like and like oh thumbs up whatever versus viral mm-hmm. of like oh my god you have to see a stranger sure, things sure, sure. oh yes. my god yeah, you have yeah. to see like these sure. and you know these other the like hulu and amazon are really lacking in that department netflix has done an incredible job of creating viral type uh, seasons or uh, shows that people are sharing like crazy. And so Amazon is like, they'll throw a show out one season. I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh, this is good. But because it didn't break any sort of records, they don't even they don't even they fuck don't around. more money into it. Yeah, because it still costs yeah. them money. It's still, yeah. it's still a $100 million project. Even if it made them back $150 million, they burn it. Yeah. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Even if it's a profitable, that's crazy. They're right? looking for the home But run. that just shows you like how cool, I mean, when you think about that as a consumer, it can be frustrating because if you if you like the show and you wanted more, it's a bummer. But the cool part is it's elevating the game oh, it's so much. So competitive, yes. That I everybody everybody is Netflix is really putting a lot of efforts into like uh, developing movies, and and I know like it's been a rough start. You know, there's been a few of them I've watched, and I'm like, eh. But um, I just watched one last night that I'm still thinking about right now. Like it pisses me off because it's one of those like <laughs> it's one of those movies that's it's it's super suspenseful. It's scary, you know. What was it? It was it's about this guy who um, he goes off to war. He's 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 psychologically fucked up. Like he's some kind of psychopath, and uh, he's in this like culture up in, in in alaska in this place that's like super like uh, like away from everybody like there's like you can't there's no roads going in or anything and it's like this uh really tight-knit community anyways they're like really into wolves i guess the wolves uh had had come in and had actually taken away some kids and like this was like um the main premise of the show is like these wolves had had come in and take kids away from uh, this mom who was just like had saw the whole thing and was just like, anyways, it kind of it goes on from there to where he comes back from the war. He starts going on this killing spree and like kills all these people. Wears this like fucked up like uh, wolf mask and it's all like uh, related to um, they're, they're trying to relate like human behavior to animal behavior and like all this kind of stuff. At the end, he gets away. Right, he gets away with his wife. Like, and anyways, like, I don't want to ruin the whole thing, but it's like, you just did. it's so fucked up. You're just like left hanging. You're like, there's no resolve, you know, like, oh, wow. but I'm still thinking about it. And I'm like, wow. Now, do you think that that's because they're trying to potentially 
test it to see if it could be a series or an eight part, part thing. Two. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. That that's I think that's where I'm just left speculating like the whole time. My brain, like I I, I was sleeping, I was dreaming about it. I woke up this morning, I'm still thinking about it. That's funny. It was crazy. Well, you know, the here's the other thing that I'm thinking too, with with Amazon and Netflix and Hulu competing with traditional uh like movies and that kind of media, you know, the writing is is now very different because and really that's the difference between a great movie and a good movie is the writing anybody yeah. will tell you that oh yeah absolutely. but but the the way that writers are writing movies or shows now is changing because before you were limited with time like if you go to the movies how long is a movie going to be yeah. three hours at the most mm-hmm. like usually around two hours is the average length of a movie right well a, you know amazon and, and and netflix can make a series that really, if you st- if you stream even every episode back to back, you're looking at between eighteen, you know, eight to thirteen hours of a of a of a movie. So the writing is very different. Mm-hmm. You you're writing way more in depth. You're getting way more into the characters. You're you've got way more twists. You've got way more directions you can go. Fascinating. I think it's gonna be very fast. It's cha- media is totally changing. I, I fucking yeah. Love hold it. the dark. That's what it's called. Thanks, Doug. So yeah. and this is a it's a movie the way it's set up. It is a movie. Yeah, it's a it, it's an actual movie, and it has the guy from uh, what's that uh, the the latest uh, one with the the robots or the oh, God. You're terrible, Justin. Yeah, no, you I forget it. <laughs> You'll remember a fucking song from when he's five years right, old. Right, right. I just, can't remember. He watched the show just yesterday. It's like remember. one of the most popular shows ever, too. Well, I have one I have one for you guys to check out that uh, Katrina, Katrina and I are just loving right now, and it's an Amazon Prime one, is uh, Marvelous Miss Mazelle. You guys should watch. It's fucking great. It's based in the 1930s. And it's a cool, it's a cool, it's a M-A-I, M-A-I-S-E-L, and it's actually on Amazon Prime, not Netflix, Doug. Um, but it's a really good show. I think that we're almost done. We have like one or two episodes left. We we knocked it out in a couple nights because we liked it so much. It's got it, it's got a great story West behind World. it. Westworld. Oh my god. Sorry. Oh, that's what you were trying to think <laughs> of. Yeah, yeah Westworld. Out of nowhere. Westworld. <laughs> Westworld. He was in Westworld. He's one of the main actors. Anyway, uh, uh, sorry. Oh, the what's his name? The guy. The the um, yeah. He was the black guy. That's he was one of the, the robots. Bald, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 I know yeah. you're talking about. Uh, anyways, this one's really good. It's from the 30s. She is, and I'm still figuring out like where it's going to go, but it's definitely got me sucked in. Um, but she's kind of like this, you know, she plays this traditional housewife and, you know, she you can tell that she gets into a divorce. Her husband leaves her for basically uh, the exact same life that she had already like created with them. And so you, you're kind of rooting for her and then she's trying to chase to be a comedian. And then she gets out in the workforce. She comes from a very uh, wealthy Jewish family. And so it's just a, it's a very unique story. I've never seen, uh, I think a, a story or a series like this told in the thirties from a perspective of, of a, a woman and what that would be like to get divorced. Also coming from wealthy parents and their expectations of what they think she should be as a woman. And then, yeah, no, I, you and Jessica would absolutely love it. I know for <laughs> sure. And uh, I think our audience would too. It's one of the best shows I think on, on marvelous uh, Miss Maisel. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, it's cool. It's on the second season. I didn't hmm. know that. I, I've only seen the first season so far, but we're loving it right now. <laughs> If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Quee quad. 
All right. Our first question is from Constantine MB. What should a 17-year-old do, bulk or cut? 17-year-old bulk or cut? I like this question because I think, well, I know for sure me and I know for sure Sal, I think Justin too, you know, I was from, from literally 17, that's when I started, all the way till almost 30 years old. So I think about 28 or 29. So for 11 years of my life, I was literally on the bulk. Yeah. I mean- Never stopped. No, uh-huh. no, never, ever, uh-huh. ever tried to lean out. I never yeah, once- I hard. I, and that was because of my insecurities, because I was not big enough. And I've, I think I looked at the kid's picture. He, he looks like he was built. He's got a, a leaner, smaller frame. Uh, similar to mine. And so I could totally see how you could get stuck in this, like, I need to be bigger. And so you're constantly trying to bulk. And one of the biggest light bulbs that went off for me at 28 when I finally went the other direction, and I was so, like, mad at myself, like, shame on me for thinking this way for so long and how well would it have served me had I done some mini cuts or at least leaned out or tried to diet to, to lose body fat and it's because I always was relatively lean. I was always between 9 and 11%. I never saw myself as not lean enough. I always saw myself as not big enough, and I didn't have enough muscle. And so because of that, it drove my programming. It drove my dieting. And it really, it probably slowed down much of the results that I could have had had I switched that that thought process. So the reason why I picked this question is I've got to think that there is a lot of 17-year-old young men and women, for that matter, that because of how they identify themselves right now, they make bad choices as far as diets and programming because they're 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 battling their insecurities versus probably doing what would serve them best in their overall yeah. journey. It's interesting to think about because when I was 17, and I'm much like you guys, and I probably don't just voice it as much as you guys, but I was always trying to bulk and get bigger and uh, I was super bony, and that was a big insecurity of mine. And taking my shirt off, I was just like, oh, my God, I need more muscles. And that's all I could think about. Thinking back, like, what if we had social media back then? You know, it would have like, been worse. Also about, you know, getting big but being lean at the same time. I didn't even think for a second about giving a shit about being lean. It was all about how much mass I could possibly put on my body. And, you know, that being – sort of an interesting uh, state that we're in right now. It's like you're, you're constantly showing your body off and, and people are judging you. And, uh, uh, man, it would have been interesting. Dude, uh, you know, I started at 14, right? So I started real young, working out. Also, extremely insecure about being skinny. I was painfully skinny. You know what's funny, by the way? I look at pictures of myself now when I was 14 and 13 yeah, I was skinny, but I wasn't like. You look, yeah, you look like every. Other I look like a normal thirteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah. That's how everybody's dis- skinny. <laughs> that's how fucking distorted yeah. my. Well, mind you know was. why it is, and I remember this. You look at the one or two anomalies in your school as a kid in high school, yeah. who's buff, you right. know, or has right. the mesomorph body type, and you're just like, you're gunning for that. Like you believe right. because there's a you know a kid who looks like that that it's possible to look like that, and then you're on this mission to. Or in this case, now like Justin brings up, in this day and age, you know, you have a, you know, who's the popular fucking young kid who's now 20-something, but he started on Instagram and he's huge, Jeff, Jeff Said, mm. right? You have this this Jeff Said kid who's, you know, gets out there as a teenager on, on Instagram and is promoted and he's got an incredible physique and, you know, all these kids are chasing after looking like this kid. In reality, there, there's probably not a lot you have in common with this kid whatsoever. Dude, dude I wasn't, I wasn't even, I remember too, there was, and there was def, definitely moments in my life where, you know, things, people would say things to me, like you say to anybody, not, not because they're trying to be hurtful, 
just because they're like, for example, I remember once we were at my aunt's, uh, my aunt had a swimming pool and we'd all go there uh, on the weekends in the summer and, and go swimming and have a, and have a blast, me and all my cousins. So I go in the bathroom and I change into my bathing suit and I get out and my aunt, who wasn't that much older than me at the time. So if I'm, you know, if I'm 13 years old, she's probably, you know, 18 years old. And she looks at me and she goes, oh my God, she goes, you're so skinny. You need to eat something. Mm-hmm. And I know it was innocent. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is what kids say to each other. It's not a big deal. But it stung so deeply. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone said the word st- skinny to me, it stung. And so I went on, I was on this mission forever to try and gain weight where, I mean, I did all kinds of crazy shit. You know, I used to buy, because I had a job at the age of 14, when I would work for my dad and he'd, he'd pay me a little bit. I'd take that money and I'd ride my bike to uh, the Beehive, which was the name of this nutrition shop, which by the way, still fucking exists on <laughs> Coleman and something in San Jose. This supplement store has been around for like a hundred years. And I go in there and I remember I'd walk around and think I was like, oh, these are the answers. I remember the first time I bought anything was in that store and I had, I think it was like 60 bucks mm. and I saw the the big bottles of weight gainer and you know one would say mass gainer and the other yeah. would say maximum weight gain. I always look for the mass gainer. Yeah, and I'm looking for the one that's like going to sell me that it's going to make me gain the most weight. And I, I forgot which one I bought. I think it was Mega Mass, you know, 2000 or something. It came in this big bucket and I drove, I rode my bike home, so excited. And I remember I took this thing uh, my mom, I told my mom, buy me whole milk, please, please buy me whole milk, because the bottle says, you know, the, the thing says mix it with whole milk. And I'd take her blender, and I'd blend up a shake with whole milk, and you'd turn the blender on, and the whole fucking thing would barely move, because it was like cake batter, so thick, yeah. and you'd see like a little spiral in the middle, the whole thing's not even moving. <laughs> and then I'd sit there, and this was what I would do after my workout, I'd sit there with this, 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 this blender full of this thick liquid that's mostly mostly maltodextrin, mostly sugar and carbohydrates, right? And I would just chug it and I'd sit there and do sets. This was like part of my workout because it was so hard to chug. And I'd sit there and I'd swallow it and I'd set it down on a thing and I'd, and I'd fight the throwing up. Like, okay, I'm not going to puke, not going to puke. Okay, cool, I can have some more. Or, and I'd, it would take me 15 minutes to finish this whole thing. Then I'd sit on the couch and I wouldn't move so I couldn't, so I didn't puke because it was so much fluid, and I'd sit there and just try and absorb it. And this is the kind of shit that I did to myself for years and years and years and years. Now the irony of it, now did I gain weight? I did, in spite of all that crazy shit that I did. Would I have gained more muscle had I known that I could have been more effective and efficient with my nutrition by eating whole natural foods and by sometimes going into a cut? I would have gained more muscle mm-hmm. for sure, and I probably wouldn't have damaged you know, created the gut issues that I have. And I probably wouldn't have gotten to the point where it took me six, 7,000 calories just to gain a single pound had I allowed myself to cut every once in a while to, to, to sensitize my body mm-hmm. to things like proteins and, and carbohydrates. So, uh, you know, my when I talk to 17-year-olds or kids about bulking and cutting, first thing I do is I say, don't think of it as a bulk or a cut because here's what happens when you tell a 17-year-old to bulk. Right. They eat five times more than they were eating before. Yeah. And if you tell a 17-year-old to cut, they eat nothing all of a sudden. They go one extreme or the other. So I tell them, no, let's not, let's not do that. What I want you to do is I want you to add an extra small meal a day when you want to gain weight, and I want you to eat your normal meals except cut one of them in half, uh, maybe the last meal a day, when you, want to eat, when you want to go down a little bit. And that's it, just a real small measurement, nothing too crazy. You know, If I have a very dedicated um, you know, 17-year-old that's real smart, then I may teach them how to track and do that kind of stuff. 
But, you know, a lot of times, and, you know, to be quite honest, I haven't trained a 17-year-old or 16-year-old recently with all these new tracking tools and stuff. Back when I would do it, you know, it was like, okay, I got to get the 17-year-old to take this nutrition book with them everywhere and add things. So I'll just give them very basic advice. But whether you're trying to build muscle or burn body fat, you want to live in both. You know, both of them are going to benefit you. Yeah. Now, if you want to burn body fat, you want to live more in a calorie deficit. And if you want to gain muscle, you want to live more in a calorie surplus. But you don't want to always entirely be there. Cutting or being in a deficit has some benefit to somebody who wants to gain muscle. The benefit is it resensitizes your body to protein and increases sensitivity to carbohydrates, making your body more efficient with calories, a.k.a. utilizing more of them to build tissue. On the flip side, if you're cutting, throwing in some surplus days is beneficial because it keeps your metabolism from slowing down too much. And so that that's the, this is the key here. I don't just like if you if your goal is to build, let's say your goal is to to max out your your squat and be only strong in your max rep range of one. Let's say you're, you're a power lifter and you just want to lift what one rep, and you know that obviously you're in competition, so it's one rep that you're going to do in the competition. You're still going to benefit from throwing in some sets every once in a while of ten to twelve reps. You're going to get some carryover and some benefit. So it's really not that different. You you know again if you want to gain. Yeah, most of the time you live in that surplus. Throw in those cuts every once in a while. It'll it'll benefit you. And the same thing for the reverse. It's normally. It, yeah, I think that's the point to be made is that it's more than likely if you're a 17 year old kid, regardless of uh, what you're trying to your ultimate goal, you're probably living in one of these more than the other, right? Like if you're the kind of thicker kid who is a little more insecure about being, you know, feeling fat, you're probably always trying to cut and you're eating lean, trying to do that. If you're the opposite, you're the skinny. So, what would really serve both the both examples is the opposite, you know. If and that was the thing that I was trying to get across with, like my my thing was I for years was trying to bulk constantly because of my insecurities, where I didn't realize, man, the best I uh, the best or the most amount of compliments that I ever got of being big, quote unquote was when I leaned out for the first time in my life. Isn't that the ironic? And I, and I remember being like, what the fuck? Like, I had never had so many people walk up to me and like, man, you look big. What are you doing? And me going like, what the fuck? I'm 15 pounds lighter yeah. than what I was just three months it's ago. It's the same thing with, I've had female clients where they're in this constant state of trying to cut and then I'll have them bump up their calories and they'll build a little bit of muscle. And then they'll come to me and be like, "Right, they like fill four, out, add a couple pounds, and then yet they're being told that they look lean." Yeah, they'll be like, "Dude, four people yesterday asked me how, uh, you know, how I've lost so much weight recently, and I'm like, I'm heavier, I'm two pounds heavier." You right. know, it's that illusion that you create in terms of the appearance. Because at the end of the day, do you really want to change? The only people that should be worried about the scale, by the way, are athletes that are competing in a weight class. Right. right. Other than that, like wrestling, you don't walk around with your weight, you know, plastered on your chest. Nobody gives a shit. It's it, it really, it should, of course, your health, but it's, it's your appearance. So if you look leaner or you look more muscular, that's more important than what the scale says. And many times the scale will say one thing and you'll look the opposite. I've seen people lose weight and look fatter. I've seen people gain weight and look leaner all through that illusion. Adam just talked about how that happened for him happened for me. You know, another paradigm, you know, shattering moment for me along these lines was there was a year where my parents were on vacation. And so me and my siblings, and I think I was maybe 16 or 17 years old and my siblings were all younger than me. And we were all staying with my grandparents and my grandma, old school Sicilian, you know, woman never had a driver's license. Uh, you know, hilarious, like literally the stereotype. She would make food for me whenever I wanted and she'd make anything I wanted. 
And so she used to tell me, what do you want? What do you want to eat, you know, for breakfast? And what do you want to eat for lunch? And I'm like, wow, shit, like, this is cool. So I was like, steak. I want steak. I want steak in the morning. I want steak in the afternoon. I want steak for dinner. And, you know, throw in some pasta, some potatoes or whatever. And so she literally made me steak all day long. And my parents were gone for a month. And I gained like seven pounds of like lean muscle. It was like a ridiculous amount of lean muscle <laughs> in a short period of time. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh shit, it's food. It's not wow. supplements that's going to make me gain I muscle. I a nana like that. Oh, right. dude, she's <laughs> the best. She's the best. Next question is from Tracy Freeman. What would be the most appropriate rep ranges or workout phases for cuts and bulks? You know, what's funny about this is the most appropriate rep range is the one that's going to build the most muscle on you, regardless if you're cutting or you're bulking. So let me, let me explain what I mean by that. When you're trying to cut or lose body fat, the, 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 the biggest thing you're going to have to contend with, the biggest challenge you're going to have to contend with is the loss of muscle and the right. slowdown of your metabolism. The best way to prevent your body to lose muscle is to train in a fashion that tells your body to build muscle. Now, you might not build muscle because you're eating low calories, but if your signal is telling your body to build, then at the very least, you should be able to keep muscle. So you should always be, weights should always be geared around building muscle, trying to build uh, muscle, unless you have a performance goal, in which case then performance is number one, whether it be stamina or you know agility or power or whatever. But it should always be around uh, trying to build muscle. Now, which rep range is going to build the most muscle on you. The one you're not doing. That's yeah. it. It's the one you're not doing, you know. And now there is a there is a general rep range you want to be in, right? There's the low rep ranges which I'd say are between 1 to 4 or 5. There's the high rep ranges which I would say probably the on the highest 15 end. To 20. Yeah, yeah, 15, 15 to 20 or something like that. So between 1 to 20 reps, those are the ranges that you want to work within. The one that you're that you're stuck in is the one that's probably not building muscle for you anymore. Even the one that they call the hypertrophy range, which is, you know, eight to 12. That's why I do only seven reps. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's why whenever I, simple. I transition from a cut or a bulk, I'm also transitioning my program at the same time, which is kind of how we, you know, when you look at like all the maths programs, they're all phased anywhere between, a, I think the shortest we have and like our anywhere is like a two week phase. Our longest phase, I think, is stretched out to four weeks, right, mm -hmm. if I'm correct? Yeah. So between two and four weeks, we're always switching up your your training phase, meaning that we're switching up the rep ranges, rest periods, things like that. So this would be that example. So if, if that's the case, then a great strategy would be to also be manipulating your nutrition at the same cadence. Now, what do you decide to do? So, okay, if I say that, does that mean when I go to phase one of, of MAPS anabolic, which is a more strength phase, what do I, am I supposed to be in, cutting or bulking? Well, whatever you weren't in last. So, And that is what's going to serve you the most. And I, and I highly recommend weaving in and out of both. So I think that's the, the takeaway from this. And I, I wanted this question because we get this a lot. We get a lot of questions. Like daily. Yeah, this I is definitely this one of the most common questions that we get. And, you know, anybody that's trying to sell you on an idea that, oh, this way of eating is best for cutting or bulking, even if they try and back it with some sort of science, well, that go that becomes moot when you talk about what has that person been doing for the last six to eight weeks. Well, now, that's just one case. Right. right? Yeah, they don't. Uh, that That's why it's always like, well, it depends. Like, it depends on what, what you've currently been doing, what, you know, you haven't introduced this new stimulus, like your body's going to respond according to 
uh, new stimulus or things that you know maybe we need to explore more. So yeah, yep. you have to consider all. Yeah, that. and and I, I know there's going to be you know there's an argument for okay if I want to cut, then what I should do is I should do the rep range and style of workout that burns the most calories. I understand that argument, right? If I do, you know, if I go 15 reps and I do a circuit or I do a superset with two exercises or a giant set which is three exercises or more, um, I'm going to burn more calories. Then if I do a bunch of straight sets at four reps, uh, you know, with a with two minute rest in between, and that's true, you will burn more calories. But that's not the whole story, right? The whole that's not the whole story at all. Because you can make a case for the other side too. That's right, and there's and it, this is the same argument I have when people say cardio is superior for fat burning than weights, because cardio burns more calories than weights does for sure. I don't give a fuck what you do with weights; you can burn more calories with cardio. Trust me, like running will burn more calories in 30 minutes than an hour of weight training. It's just it's just true. You'd have to get real, real creative with your weights to burn as many calories as running. But the difference is resist, resistance training sends a signal to your body to speed your metabolism up and to build muscle, whereas cardio eventually will send a signal to slow your metabolism down. So now back to the other question, the, the, what, the point that I made about the you know doing more reps burn more calories. It does, but if your body's used to that adaptate that that rep range, if your body's used to high reps all the time, you're just burning more calories and you stop sending that muscle building signal. You may actually start to achieve a slower metabolism as a result of that. And after about five to six weeks, those high reps, even though they burn more calories, result in you burning less calories throughout the rest of your day, which is most of the day, right? Because right. you're not you work out for an hour, you've got 23 hours of the day just sitting there. You'd want a faster metabolism. This is why a 200-pound, you know, bodybuilder uh, or a 180-pound male bodybuilder or guy that lifts weights properly is going to burn more calories on a daily basis than a you know 100-something pound you know guy that does running all day long. You know that runs you know 20, 30 miles a week. He may burn more calories, or even maybe burn the same amount of calories at the absolute least. But he's not moving nearly. He doesn't have to. He's got a faster metabolism. So not to mention that, and something that Dr. Carvajal talked about a little bit, Cabral, Cabral, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. What he talked about the other day too is that you know there's a genetic piece that plays a role here too. Some people, if you have a more ectomorph body type, you may find that when you train in a certain phase, feeding yourself a certain way is more advantageous versus a different body type. So yeah. this is why, and I know everyone's always looking for us, which. I know that's one of the things, the knock on mind pump is we always say depends, right? right? But that's the fucking truth. The truth is it always does depend. And so if you're looking for a more clear cut answer or direction to give, this is what I would tell a client. I would say, listen, follow one of the MAPS programs. There's three phases in MAPS Anabolic, for example. In in, In phase one, run a cut. In phase two, run a bulk. In phase three, run a cut. And then come back through the program and do the exact the opposite. opposite. Yeah. Like that would be my recommendation for you. And then see how your body responds, how you feel, what you like about it. And there's going you're going to find out, no matter who the fuck you are, there's going to be pros and cons on both. Oh yeah. You're going to find out that running through a strength phase, phase one, on a cut... It your might performance lim- is going to drop right. substantially. Your performance. Yeah. You may not hit PRs. You may not be, yeah. It may not be the strongest time, but... You might see that you lean out better than you've ever leaned out before, and you held on and to more muscle. muscle yeah. Right, and then yeah. and then the flip is true. Now go through a phase one, feed the fuck out of yourself, and you go, oh shit, looks like I I didn't lean out as much in that phase one, but that was the strongest, and you added more muscle. So there's you're going to see pros and cons. You're going to see a genetic difference. The the best thing that you could possibly do is actually to play with this and to actually and 
and track it and pay attention to it, which again goes back to why we phased our programs the way we did is not because it's the only way to program, but because it's a great way for you to measure things like this and then go back and say, oh, this is what works really well with my body. Next question is from the Maple Leaf Man. What would you say is the most important muscle or muscle group for peak athletic performance? The glutes. Uh, yeah. Not even close. Besides right? the heart, right? Obviously, yeah. That's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The number one muscle is the there heart. Without you it, you're one. dead. You but need that one. The it's glutes. Got, it's got to be the hips. Yeah. It's got to be the glutes. muscles that work on I was going to say hips. tongue, but oh well. Yeah. It depends on, well, yeah. what kind whoa. of athletic performance you're talking about. Whoa. <laughs> Our, in our sport of podcasting, definitely. Definitely. You got to have a strong mouth. Yeah. Glutes, though, right? I mean, this is. He who has the biggest glutes usually. Uh, is the most powerful Bro. in the field. I mean, I've, I've noticed that, like, just in my own athletic career. It's like, you know, I'm always <laughs> worried about that guy who's got that, you know, center of gravity, that power. Like, uh, you know, you could tell by just these horse legs, like, what you're in for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever, you're, it's funny. Like, if I see somebody, I don't know if you got, you guys can do this too, I'm sure, where you can pick out, like, when you see people, you know, in the crowd, like, okay, they work out, that's an athlete. Oh, that person over there, you can tell, is actually legit strong. Can oh, you yeah. Yo, yeah. they have a, sw- a, a hip swagger to them, yeah, you know, because yeah, they're yeah. moving them big-ass glutes when yeah, they walk. Yeah, you could yeah. just see, like, oh, yeah, he or she squats, and I bet yeah. is explosive just big by- Big-ass obliques. Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. say, I, I was just going to say, I would say that the, if I, okay, so glutes, I agree with you. If I were to extend it out, I would say glutes back, so oh, really, yeah. really strong, you know, mid-back in particular, um, shoulders- um, and then obliques, those are the muscles that you see and the, and the very dip- developed in And athletes. the difference between the three of those would really be the sport that we're talking about, sure. right? Because if we're talking about a swimmer, peak athletic Lats. performance has nothing to do with yeah. their ass. Yeah. At all. Right. They have yeah. small asses. Yeah, right. Very, they have to have small yeah, asses. Right. They don't need it. Yeah, yeah. that's drag for them. That it would, is, it would actually. Be, it wouldn't be advantageous to have a big ass and be a swimmer. Have you so. seen the proportions of uh, Michael Phelps? Yeah, uh, it's crazy. All yeah. torso. Yeah, yeah, he's got such a long torso, super long arms. Really, really short legs, and he's got no butt whatsoever. He's like a big canoe. So, so yeah. So, peak athletic performance—that's a general statement, and I think the the general answer is glutes. Unless we're getting into very specific type of sports like swimming or something like that, then it'd be way more advantageous to have a powerful back and absolutely no ass. But for most all field sports, ice hockey, like anything that requires your legs and running. Um, which glutes, is most sports. Yeah, which is most sports is I'm, I'm going to argue and say that glutes is the number one. And then again, like you said, I mean, obliques, I can see like strength athletes and where you're having yeah. to stabilize heavy weight or rotational movements. Well, throwing and well, swinging. Even, and- yeah, even just punching. Like it, like it, being able to apply ground forces properly, you need really strong legs and, and a strong stabilized core. So, you know, that's all like, going to be a contributing factor to like a, a powerful athlete. And having power and being able to summon power power is really the game when it comes to athletics and be able to control that process so this is something that i i I really lacked as a kid and and my knowledge now of of fitness i wish i had that because i i put no energy and focus i'm built more like a michael phelps and i yet i was a basketball player and i wish i i wish i trained my legs i wish i trained my glutes i i understood the the importance of that in early age it makes me really wonder like man if i would have applied that in high school 
what how good would I have been? I mean, I I didn't really dunk a basketball till after I stopped playing basketball. That's crazy. I was a basketball player all my, my entire life as a kid. I didn't I didn't find the explosiveness until I started weight training, right. and it blew you got my strong mom. legs. Yeah, and boom. And I was and I wasn't even doing it for sports. I was just squatting because that was part of my bodybuilding quote unquote routine. And the next thing you know, I'm able to get above the rim and dunk the ball. And I thought, fuck, man, had I applied this knowledge to myself as a as a young kid growing up in sports. Fuck, who knows how, how good of a it's, basketball player I was. It's funny, when they talk about athletes, when you look at the traditional sports, and they say, there was this one documentary I saw where they said, you know, who is the world's best all-around athlete? Like the top, you know, cyclist, runner, swimmer, boxer, wrestler, whatever, and they compared them all. The one athlete that had the worst performance in other sports was the swimmer. Because what makes you good so in the water? Well, what makes you good in the water makes you terrible on land. Yeah. Right. You want a long torso, short legs, skinny legs, skinny. You know, n- not big hips, long arms, or whatever. And it makes you kind of awkward on land, but in the water, it makes you very, it makes you amazing. And then I'll flip it, the athletes that you know were really great in their sports did terrible in the water because they weren't yeah. built. They're like sunk. They weren't built for the water. Yeah, I <laughs> that think was that, me. I was a terrible. Swimmer. Were you really? Oh, yeah. yeah, I still sink. Uh, the best, I think, some of the best athletes are like wrestlers. I really do. Wrestlers and boxers seem to be very, very well rounded. Yeah. In terms of just overall, you know. Well, yeah, because they. I mean, you just look at the sport, like how involved their entire body is in that that mm-hmm. process, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to be able to uh, be multifaceted on every single angle. They have to be strong, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's. I would I would definitely echo like a a, a wrestler or, or somebody uh, like a gymnast or something like that. Yeah, and you need uh, just posterior chain in general. Sports, if you have a really strong posterior chain, it's going to make you explosive off the line. It's going to make you reactive. You're going to be able to move you know faster and change direction better if you have a very powerful posterior chain. The irony of it is, you know, when, when especially when we were kids, the exercise that everybody focused on was bench press, mm-hmm. which of the big compound movements yeah. has probably the least carryover. For yeah. sure. Yeah. For I, sure. Unless you're like a lineman for football. I mean, it's really no. Yeah, I would even, even then, for and it. even then, shoulder, overhead press. There's a better press. way to do it. Yeah. Overhead press. That's what I would Overhead heard. press or incline press would yeah, be would, far would better than higher on I, the I, I think an, I think a, I think an overhead press or a push press because when you're pushing off the line, you're not well, rigid or whatever. So technically, the incline bench was designed for football. Players. Incline was yes. it really? Yeah, yeah because yeah. when you look Military at the, when you look at the angle for a lineman to come up and explode up sure. and then hit somebody yeah, in the you're, chest, you're pushing your arms up it's, into the chest. It's pads. literally yeah. the the angle. So that's where the 45 degree angle bench came from for a bench press. You know what the original incline bench press was like? What it looked like? Uh, it didn't have a rack. So it was an incline. Oh, yes, right. You had to, you had to clean it. You right? had to clean the weight and then lay back, lay on, back it on it with it. And then press. That's right. You know, and now it's all racked the, up. And- how, how, how ironic is it that that would probably serve us better today to have to do that? Mm-hmm. Because then you would, you less less injury risk, right? Because you're not mm-hmm. some, some young kid who actually has a big, strong chest or whatever is not going to be able to, to clean 315 pounds to set back on the pitch. So you'd have to. And then think of how much that would have to develop that, the control that you'd have to have to get there. Like It's funny how we do things. We evolve some things in the pursuit of mm-hmm. thinking that it's going to improve or be a better thing, but in, in reality, probably set us backwards. It's probably better for bodybuilding, obviously, but even bodybuilding. Yeah, no, you're uh, right. Ben Pakulski in his gym, he has an incline like that, which I think is superior for dumbbell press. Because you got to clean dumbbells anyways. Yeah. yeah. I love his, his incline. Because you're kind of standing. 
You're yeah. not sitting on anything. You're standing. You're just leaning no. back. That felt amazing. Well, and, we, and and Ben is a is a, a very good example of of how we should train as bodybuilders. I mean, he's he's very big, and if you can't control the weight through the entire range of motion, you have no business lifting it. Yep. So if you ever watch, you know his his lifting. In fact, he's one of the few bodybuilder guys that I've ever seen like really adhere to you know tempos and rep and, and good rep ranges and keeping that. Uh, the muscle uh, tension right. the entire mm-hmm. uh, entire way through the entire movement. Next question is from more Jojo. I've been at the same big box gym for six years and many of the personal trainers have been training the same clients for at least that long and their clients don't seem to have made much physical progress. Is it common to have clients who struggle to make progress compared to the transformations we see on social media? Do the clients and trainer play an equal role in making or not making progress? I thought this was a really cool question to talk about mm. because, um, one, it made me really reminisce uh, training clients on a daily basis and mm-hmm. having clients that were with me for years and years and and really didn't see a lot of, of great... Uh, Do you remember the growth that came from that? Do you remember when you had to realize, like, oh, I can't just make people change yeah, all the time? Yeah. Do you right, remember that right. shit? Oh, yeah. That was a big one for me. Yeah, no. It, I mean, there's a, there was a lot of growth that happened for me here. One, uh, along the lines of what you're saying, and then two, also, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't consider myself a great programmer back then. Uh, you know, I fell into the, uh, the way I would... Do or do a program or write a program for a client was based off of creativity. It was you know how can I? I mean I definitely subscribe to the Craig Caperso box, which is um, everything is uh, you know workout programs are like ice cream flavors, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody has their favorite flavor, and it's just all about uniqueness and trying different shit, and you know that was part of the problem. That was part of the reason why my clients didn't see you know, incredible results across the board. Now I'm saying that knocking myself, I was still a very successful trainer. I still had lots of people with transformations, yada, yada. But if I'm being honest, you know, a good majority of them, more than half of them didn't see great results, yet I had them for years. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is what Sal was saying. I agree. And then another part of that was just being not that great of a trainer because as I got further into my career, what I did find was even if I couldn't get a client to adhere to the nutrition piece, even if they were all over the fucking board eating-wise, because that's another thing. You can't control that as a trainer. You can't control the other 23 hours a day that they are not with you, and if they have their own emotional issues with food and they have a bad relationship with food, that even if you are programming the best and their goal is to lose weight, they may never lose weight. That's where the most growth happened, especially for me as a trainer, because you have to really understand that like you're these are human behaviors that are uh, like ingrained every day. Like the people outside of the gym, the gym is really, um, it's a place where, okay, I have a certain amount of control. I have a control over this hour that I have with this person. And I prided myself in that. And I always was as a young trainer, it was all about like the results, like the results, the end goal, like the goal driven a hundred percent was like trying to, you know, show that like my worth as a trainer is what my clients look like, you know, and like how much success they're getting. And, uh, you know, the, the growth in that is realizing, yes, you did have a percentage that would look awesome and you'd make a lot of progress, but then there'd be the other clients that your same methods Mm -hmm. did not apply to them, did not work. And you were not making any progress and fuck what's wrong with me. What's wrong with them? You know, now I turn my energy on. They're the ones failing and I have to like fire them or I have to, 
uh, you know, address this because it's hurting my business where, you know, you're, you, you have to understand that they're just in a different place in life. And then there's way more variables involved. So, uh, you know, as I grow as a trainer, I have to learn my methods and my approach with them has to change. There's a, there's a big problem. And this is a big challenge with trainers. The big challenge is not understanding, uh, the priorities. Okay. So every trainer thinks that the priority is to get their client to lose weight, get ripped, build muscle, build strength, whatever. It's actually not true. That's not the, that's not the, your priority as a trainer. That's one of the priorities, but that's not the top priority. The top priority as a trainer is to get your client to develop a lifetime relationship with fitness, exercise, and health. That's number one. And nutrition. And nutrition, all that. That's number one. Then everything else comes underneath that. Your goal is to get that person to develop a lifestyle that now includes uh, fitness, that includes eating properly, that includes self-awareness with health, that includes prioritizing their own health, all those things. Now, what does that look like? That's a fucking long process sometimes. Yep. And, and you know what ends up happening? Because there's this attitude that a lot of trainers have that ruins, it fucks them and it screws up clients where they get a client and they're like, I'm going to get you fit whether you like it or not. Yeah. And if you don't get fit, we're going to have these come to Jesus talks every, you know, whatever. And we're going to sit down and I'm going to be like, hey, why aren't you losing weight? What have you been eating? Show me your food logs. You're the one that, and they hammer the shit. And I know some clients think that that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And I know some trainers think that that's their job. But the reality is, the big reality is, you're going to be extremely unsuccessful long term right. in getting anybody to really make life Dude, lifelong it's changes. it's so reflective to parenting. It's exactly it's like that. hundred percent reflective the parenting in that you're trying to teach these people to fish. You can't, you can't just do everything for them and like you know hammer them, hammer them about it, how everything they're doing wrong. Or you have to, you have to just plant seeds and you plant these seeds for them to. Oh wow, you know someday that seed is going to open up and mm. it's going to turn into this idea that they had. And you're like, yes, finally. The greatest well, testament for for me it was. Uh, was after training people for six, seven, eight, nine, ten, some of them twelve years, and then not training them anymore. Is I can still talk to them right now, call them, and I do. I stay in contact. I've, obviously, I've, I've knew these, known these people forever. And guess what? They're still doing. They're still working out. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because what you'll find a lot of times in that what you'll find a lot of times is trainers will train a client for six months. Client will be gone, and this is a majority. This is a majority of clients. And they never worked out again, or they're spotty with it, or they never made those changes. That's how you know you failed. Well, this is small commercial break here. This is also what uh, why I knew that you were on to something so special when you first sent over when you and Doug were. And this is five years ago now when you sent me over the first you know uh, Maps anabolic prototype of what you were creating. And you know what I what I saw right away was the first program, in my opinion, that was really speaking to the masses instead of this niche group of or, or echo chamber of trainers that were putting out programs that really spoke only to other trainers, right? With these crazy elaborate five to seven day a week programs. Like none of my, I had what, like 1% yeah. of my clients would ever follow something like that long term. And, you know, a program that where somebody could potentially only work out two days in a week, you know, and see change, like what would that look like? And let's first get them to commit to that. Let's first get them to commit to a two day a week, full body type of routine and get them to execute the most important movements that will have the most amount of carryover into their everyday life and their body composition 
which was exactly what you had created and wrote. And I thought, fuck yes, dude. This is what, what the industry was missing instead of all these all this crazy shit that's being put out there that really is only for a small piece. And and now look where we're going now, which I love about what we're doing. It's like that doesn't mean that there's not a place for map split or a place for map strong, which are a much more narrow demographic of people, people that have gone through all the foundational type of training and built a good relationship with exercise and they're consistent. And now, which is a very smaller amount of people, nobody was really speaking to the masses on like how they should train. And that's just the training piece. And then you talk about what we talk about with nutrition. You know, everybody wants to talk about get in their little boxes and their camps of, oh, it's paleo, oh, it's ketogenic, oh, it's veg- it's vegan, oh, it's like, wait a second. Yeah, drink more water. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Let's start there. Right. There's so many things that people just need to to relax for a minute. And let's talk about the, the, the majority of people that we had to train in our career. And it's like, you know, that stuff is is way beyond what they need as far as information and right I, now. And I want to be clear, this doesn't mean that you're, you know, this you baby your clients or you no, treat no, them no, like no. idiots. You're I was I'm very honest. So if my client comes in and I'm training him for 3 years and he originally hired me to lose 30 pounds and he's only lost 5 and the topic comes up, I'm going to be very we're going to have a very honest conversation. I would say, "Hey, look, John, you know, I know you, your original goal is to lose 30 pounds and you're frustrated." I think you know why you're not losing that 30 pounds. There's a lot of things that you're not doing. Now, if you want to get that weight off, we can do that. Here's what you need to do. Uh, But if you don't do it, at least you're working out. But here's the information. You know where the responsibility lies. I'm very, just like like Justin said, just like you are with your kids. You're being Mm -hmm. very straight, very honest. I'm not bullshitting. I'm not telling somebody, hey, great job. You didn't lose any weight. No. Hey, great job. You showed up. You're here working out. You know, I, I, there's this one client that I, I wish I could take back. I wish I could take back how poorly I handled her. And this was early in my career where that I thought literally my job was, I'm going to fucking get you in shape no matter what. Mm-hmm. And this means I'm going to have to be an asshole sometimes. And this woman, you know, she was working out with me and she wasn't losing weight and she wasn't losing weight. And I trained her husband and her husband would kind of rat her out. Oh, last night she ate cupcakes and last night she did this. And mm-hmm. she was kind of not being honest with me about, about her nutrition. So I sat her down and I basically ripped into her. And I told her, I'm not going to train you if you fucking don't take this seriously because my job is to get you in shape and you're, you wanted to hire me and this is what you hired me for, blah, blah, blah. And she never came back. And I felt so proud of myself that I blew this woman out the door because I wasn't going to fucking have somebody hire me and not do what I tell them. Yeah. And then I thought about it and I said, wow. Yeah. Uh, what did you do for her? Yeah, she's there probably no never, breakthrough that happened. She's probably there. nothing. Yeah. She's probably not working out at all now. At least before she was coming to the gym two days a week. And at least I could have probably bought myself more time to slowly help her make those fundamental changes. Because what are we talking about when we're talking about you know exercise? For, let's, let's break that down for a second. When you're talking about activity and exercise, you're talking about anywhere between two to four days a week of structured exercise. On top of that, you're talking about a more active lifestyle. That is a huge commitment and change for anybody to your everyday life. Right. Okay. Now let's talk about nutrition. Even more difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you how to change something that is a fundamental part of your identity. Yeah. I'm telling you to change it completely. You think that's going to happen in three months? Mm-hmm. No, that shit takes a long fucking time. Sometimes it takes me five years with working with a client. This, this is no, why it's, it's their behavior. This <laughs> is why I love having uh, like the staff that we have now. It's really exciting for me. Yesterday I was. Uh, training Taylor and Enzo, and uh, I was teaching them a Turkish getup. And one of the things I why I love having, especially Taylor, because Taylor uh, Enzo is is definitely 
diehard Mind Pump fan, listens to every episode. He's He follows all the programs to a T, he's seen great transformations. Yeah, yeah. But Taylor, I love to talk to because he is not an exercise guy. He is not a workout, lift weights guy. He's in great shape. He, he's very disciplined when it comes to his eating habits. He doesn't eat bad. He keeps himself in good shape. But he has no desire to be muscular and look a certain way. He's just not that. So I love talking to him because... You know, he's a, he he to me represents more of the majority than talking to one of ourselves. So, you know, one of sure. us is like echo chamber talking about fitness and shit like that. So yesterday I'm I'm teaching him a Turkish get up and and I was explaining to him why this is such a great movement. And I said, you know, and what you'll hear from some of our f- friends and peers is they will crack on this movement because it's you know if you're a bodybuilder it's lame if you're a strength athlete it's under it's, it's overrated and pointless there's mm. better movements but let, what I was telling him I said there's so many little parts to this movement that mm-hmm. is so great and it's a skill that what is great is you can come to the gym one day and literally do Turkish get-ups all day like your whole entire workout just Turkish get-ups like practice the mechanics break down all the steps like I did with you and you actually will have a pretty damn good workout like that like it incorporates the entire body and I said for someone like you and he said he chimed in and he goes man I love when you teach me things like this because he's like you know sometimes as much as I love maps sometimes I just don't feel like even doing the whole program like mm-hmm. you know and and what should I do in days like that and I said you know this is a good example of you know, going to the gym doesn't have to be so overcomplicated. It doesn't have to be so razzle dazzle. And and these these exercises are better than. It's like there's a handful of great movements, Turkish get-ups being one of them, squats, deadlifts, overhead pressing. That hey, there's nothing wrong with going to the gym for the day and working on that movement yeah. and just taking your time the entire workout and performing performing the exercise and getting great at the mechanics. I think that. I wish I would have thought like that as a trainer, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I first started, because I think I would have changed way more lives than being the trainer who had eight to 12 exercises ready to go when they came in. And I said, let's do this. And, you know, they sweat like crazy and they talk about how sore they were. And I'm like, what did I really teach this person? (laughs) And what what are they really going? One, what I what I was doing was I was really trying to set myself up for a sale. I was trying to make a workout so complicated that they felt the need to have me. And buy more from me instead of. Ironically, you got less clients because of that. Right. It's where, funny. Yeah. Where I think that if I could just if I would could go back, I would talk to some of these clients and I would teach moves like this that are so beneficial, have carryover, and it doesn't seem so daunting. And that's what mm-hmm. Taylor was saying is just like, man, this is really cool. You mean I could just do this for a workout? Like, fuck yes, you could do yeah. this for a workout, and you're winning if you do. That's funny you bring that up. I, I actually caught on to that towards the end of my career, uh, just as far as learning a skill and you know developing that skill and and what that really teaches you in terms of uh you know cognitive function and how that applies to your job and how focus is you know a major part of of uh working out as well and being able to be present and go through that process and learn and acquire a new skill uh, what that does for the client's confidence, what the, what that what carryover that has in their everyday life, uh, getting stronger and moving their body in a particular way that they've never done before, and just highlighting those attributes and and getting people to really buy into that as well as just losing weight and just looking a certain way. That's well, it. well, that and the in the other thing that was big for me, and I talk a lot on this show about. 
you know, just teaching a client to understand how much they move in a day. Like the step counter thing was like just mind blowing for yep. me. I will I will change someone's life more by making them aware of their lack of movement through the day and teaching them small ways to create more movement through the day. Very, very small amount of more movement a day. And that the carryover for that is far more beneficial for their overall journey than me writing this elaborate program. Mm -hmm. And that took me a really long time to figure that out. And of course, it took me a, a lot of probably lives I didn't change and a lot of lives I've now changed going forward and so I think as as trainers, when you see this, you know, when especially when you're in a big box gym, much of them are probably in their earlier parts of their career in the first 10 years. And it really does take, you know, what, what is it, 5,000 or 10,000 hours before you're considered a master? 10,000. Yeah, 10,000 hours before you're considered. That's a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients before you're considered a master in that. It absolutely took me that long because I needed to see enough people that I didn't really help trying to overcomplicate mm -hmm. the process of nutrition and exercise versus, wow, when I actually just focus on some of the things that are more similar or smaller that I can just get them to implement, like Sal said, drinking water or taking a few more steps or taking a move like the Turkish get up or the squat and just getting good at that. Like, and if I could just get that through to these people, I, I would impact their lives. You forever. are their guide and your job is to guide them towards a lifestyle that is incorporates more activity, fitness, better nutrition on their own. That is that is really the goal. And if you do yeah. that, you'll impact someone forever. And what, what I love about this most is when you meet other trainers who've been in the business for 10 or 15 years who are successful that entire time, they all come to this exact same conclusion every yeah. single time. You meet a trainer who's been training for a year or two, and they all sound like we did early on. Where they, yeah. No, no, we're fucking, I'm, I'm super motivating and I love yelling at my clients and I get them all sore and make them sweat. Yeah, and Susie lost 50 pounds, you know, in like five weeks. You're like, wait yeah. a minute, whoa. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. So check this out. If you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can check out any of our free guides. The newest guide that we have out uh, is how to squat like a pro. Go check it out, mindpumpfree.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>